Welcome to the Never Settle Podcast. My name is Mel Clark and I am passionate about helping people realise that settling for second best is no longer an option and that everyone deserves to live the life they truly desire. Hello lovely listeners. Today I had the pleasure of speaking with Branch Isolay. Branch is an author of 22 books in four genres. He's also a poet and his self-discovery themes span a wide range of reflective identity situations and scenarios that every adult recognises. Um, Branch is just a lovely chap to talk to. He started life in the corporate world like most of us and became very disillusioned with how dog-eat-dog the world was and, and then started to live a much more spiritual um, life. He's been married three times and third time lucky because this lady is his perfect match for him. I really enjoyed this conversation with him because when we talked about the, you know, just how corrupt um, the corporate world can be, uh, especially with what's been going on the last couple of years in terms of everything we've seen going on around the world, it really resonated for me. So, um, so yeah, whether you're out walking, whether you're chilling out with a, a drink of choice, um, please, or in your car, then just enjoy this lovely conversation. He's a lovely guy. Well, hello, lovely listeners. Uh, today, I've got the great honor of speaking with Branch Isol or Isol? It's actually Isole. Isole, right, okay, my apologies. Um, <laughs> so Branch um, is an author now. I think he's done several books, which he can tell us about. Um, before that, Branch was in education, corporate sales and management, a bit like myself, um, and also small business startups. And Branch, he's become a bit of a, I think, a serial podcast guest um, and a radio guest. And he likes to impart his story in as much as, you know, as he says, 45 or so years of living the world's way and then the rest has, has tread a different path um, that Branch found, you know, as a middle-aged, as a, as a middle-aged man, I guess. Um, and he likes to share informative steps to, this is quite logical and, and, and masculine for me, um, informative steps to erect frameworks that support career, personal and spiritual growth. So I love people's language and how they, we're all saying a similar thing, but it's just the way you put it together. So, um, so welcome, Branch. Um, it's an absolute pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Mel. It's, it's a great pleasure to be here with you. And where in the world are you, Branch? I live in central Arkansas. Nice. Um, is it chilly yeah. there? It's chilly today. Yeah, we've got a, a cold front that came through. Luckily, we have pretty moderate, you know, temperate weather here. We have four seasons, but nothing severe, so. Right, okay. Okay, well, Branch, um, I would love to know more about you and your backstory, you know, in terms of obviously you've come through the usual ranks, the corporate world, um, the traditional stuff, and um, the same as myself. And I'd, I'd love to know really sort of what drove what drove you to do those things at the time, but more importantly, what changed for you to create this whole new branch, Isole? Um, and if you want to talk about your name, I'd love to hear that as well. Um, so over to you. Thank you, Mel. Yeah, my, my background was, you know, pretty typical actually of people growing up in the 50s and the 60s. Um, when we didn't have all of this technology, you know, people's interactions were very, very different. So uh, children and, and adolescents in those years had pretty similar, depending on their economic situation, they had pretty similar upbringings and backgrounds. Um, you know, I, I love to reference The Wall by Pink Floyd. Um, you know, that's a pretty good indication of what life was like growing up in the 50s and 60s. So my background, I was uh, part of a military family, so I traveled quite a bit, which was a real benefit. But, 
you know, I, I went to school, I went uh, to college, I got out, got a job, got into the corporate world, got into sales and management, and did that whole climbing the ladder of, of corporate business. And when I was about 35, I found myself really disillusioned with that, that life and that world. And it had cost me much more than the rewards had been, but I, it took me a long time to figure that out. So in my mid thirties, I decided, you know, there had to be something else that would be as fulfilling or more fulfilling. And my struggle was with a search for the truth. And that's what sort of got me off of that corporate ladder, corporate world path. Um, I saw the corruption and the disappointment and the disillusion of promises of that world, of the world's ways. And, and the gathering of possessions wasn't fulfilling. So I decided to change my life, get off that path and go in a different direction. So initially my search was for truth in my life, what that looked like, how could I apply it? You know, what did that behavior look like if I was on a path of, of following the truth? So that was sort of the backstory. Okay. Um, can you ask that rooster or whatever it is to please pipe down? Yeah. <laughs> living, in the, living in the forest with the farm, um, I was hoping he would, he would be farther away from the house. I apologize. That. That's okay. I quite like it. Um, he's, he's great. He doesn't follow directions very well, though. <laughs> Alpha male. <laughs> Um, well, before you move on, when you say corruption, um, what do you mean? So in terms of the, the work you were doing, what sort of corruption are you alluding to there? Was that when you were in your sort of sales management role or? Yes, that's, that's when I really saw it in the industry. Um, you know, I, I was raised in a, like say in a military family. So things are pretty black and white. And um, when I got into the corporate world, I was unaware you know, of the things that would take place, um, the underhandedness, the, the bribery, uh, those kind of things in order to get the sale and, and make, make the project move forward. I just was unaware that that was so pervasive. And um, it wasn't how I was operating. And I kept wondering, you know, why I am doing all the right things, apparently, and not winning the projects and come to find out, you know, I wasn't playing the game mm. the way the game was being played. So um, yeah. it kind of shook my world, uh, you know, and, and I thought, well, this is kind of crazy. And so now I realize in looking at the world we have today, you know, that kind of underhanded deceit and corruption and, and doing whatever one has to do to win is endemic in, in every industry, in, in every government, in all, every part of our life has been, you know, the values have been eroded to a point where anything goes and it doesn't matter who you harm or who you step on as long as you win and get ahead. Mm. And, you know, I see that as one of the big issues today across the world is that if you're part of the structure that's doing those unethical and immoral activities in order to win, you're crushing, you know, the people who are, are just trying to survive and, it's certainly, we live in a world of have and have nots and the haves get smaller and smaller, but continue to own and control more and more. Mm. And so, you know, our entire life has been sort of poisoned by this um, corruption and unethical behavior that is so pervasive today. And, and it came out of you know, I think the post-World War II. I mean, it's been with us since the dawn of of man, but um, you know, we went for hundreds of years 
where at least there occasionally was somebody at the top who was benevolent and you know realized you can't move everything ahead if everything is continually being torn down. So, you know, it, it just wasn't for me. And, and um, now I see it, you know, every, every day, everywhere, every time I turn on the news, it's, it's um, just this continual striving for power and money, you know, in the hands of a few. And it's, it's, it, destroying our world step by step. I mean, you know, most of the world is just struggling to get by every day. And um, th there are some people in, in high places and very wealthy people who are very philanthropic and, and do use their money for good, but, you know, certainly not the way it could be. That, that's just, um, it's a shame to see a world in such disrepair, but that's the way of the world. I mean, uh, you know, it's when, when you get on a spiritual path and you finally realize what truth is, then the untruth and the lies and the fabrication are so self-evident in the world that, you know, you can't help but see the reality of what's going on and, and why people are in the situations they're in struggling so, so much. Amen, brother. Um, I completely agree um, with everything you said. Um, it, it reminded me of a, a podcast I was listening to earlier, actually. We've got, um, uh, we've got a footballer that was very big back in the day. He, uh, Matt Letizier, he played for England quite a few times. And he's um, one of a one of a small minority that's been speaking out against um, what's happening. I don't know whether you're seeing it in your country. You must be, um, you know, sports people collapsing on on the fields and, and all the rest of it. And, you know, it's unbelievable that <laughs> fucking excuse my French, but it's unbelievable that nothing, you know, that it hasn't been stopped yet. The rollout hasn't been stopped yet. And. In this country, we've now, you know, we've got a criminal investigation that's been lodged with uh, the Metropolitan Police that happened in December. And we've got groups of amazing people going to different regional police stations to um, serve the same information and say, you know, are you aware of this? They're all saying no. Um, and they're saying, well, we, we need you to assist in, you know, um, stopping these centres and securing the evidence because of this, this and this and this. And it's just, it's an uphill struggle, you know. And Matt Letizia this morning um, was on a podcast. And as I say, he, he was a big um, profile at one point and he's he's been speaking out and getting a lot of abuse for it. But he, he can see it with his own eyes, what's going on. And, and everybody else seems to be putting their head in the sand. And like you said, it comes... It, the governments are not the governments as we know them. They're being controlled by many. We know that. Um, they've been strategically placed around different organisations um, to, to make all this happen and, and be swept under the carpet and all of that. So, so yeah, I completely, completely understand um, what you're saying. And once you know the truth, once you're open to the truth, there's no going back. You can't unknow what you know. And, and you feel yeah. it... You feel it to the core of your being, don't you? Um, so, so in terms of you got to that point and um, you were like, this is not me. This is not who I am. I'm not willing to play this bullshit game. Um, so what happened next then to you? Well, like I say, I, I was so disillusioned, but I thought the only way out of this is to discover what the truth is and then try and live my life that way. So I spent the next few years, um, I didn't have any kind of a, a strong religious background. So I wasn't drawn to religion, but I was drawn to uh, Eastern philosophies and a lot of mysticism and non-traditional religion. So I went down that path and um, was exposed to, you know, philosophies and, and belief systems and things like that. And then coming out of that, um, 
I had a I had an experience that um, got me on to a spiritual path that was based, you know, in Christianity, but not in the church. So that began my new path, and as a as a way of embodying and living more truthfully in my life. I told myself, whatever the situation is, I'm going to come from the truth as I see it and know it. And that was a a pretty difficult struggle at first, because when you do that, you tend to, A, step on a lot of toes, and B, um, people who are, are not interested in the truth you know, for themselves in their lives um, are very contrarian to someone who is truthful. I mean, it's like, you know, Trump and no Trump. Um, You either believe the lies or you see the lies for what they are. And uh, anyway, I I just decided I'm going to try and, and live a more truthful and honest life. And that got me onto the spiritual path. And from there, I started studying, you know, the different spiritual beliefs that are on the planet today. In fact, that my first book is about, it's a layman's comparison of the world's religions. And uh, it takes 10 questions and then gets the answers from each of those religions to those 10 questions. So that the reader, if if you're not on a spiritual path and you're thinking, well, maybe I want to be a Buddhist or or maybe I want to, you know, go to Islam or Christianity, whatever it may be, but I don't know about those particular uh, religions in terms of, you know, a little more depth than who they believe in, then the book goes through the different religions with the same 10 questions. And so the reader can come out the other end with a little more base knowledge of each of the world's religions and decide for themselves which path they may want to go from that point on. I'm not trying to convert or convince anybody. I'm trying to show people that there's some fundamental similarities and there's some fundamental differences. And then as the reader, you need to decide which one of those paths best fits your life and your lifestyle. So that's sort of how I got onto the, the, the authorship role path and how I grew from there, um, you know, choosing the truth, then choosing a spiritual path. And then ultimately, I'm a believing Christian. So I came back to Christ as the foundation of my belief. So this sort of, this sort of happened in your mid to late forties, would you say, or? Yes, um, actually sort of the epiphany that I had that got me, you know, kind of shook me awake, started at 40 and believe it or not, it, it took 10 years for me to get to square one. It it was a long process and um, at times a difficult process and at times, you know, questioning and doubting and and just trying to stay on and being pulled off. That whole, you know, typical scenario of somebody who makes a big change in their life. There's some hurdles you have to overcome and there's a lot of things pulling at you you know, to trying to pull you back into your past or your past behavior. So it was a 10-year trek for me to sort of get righted and get back to square one where I was then committed. This is, you know, who I am and this is what I believe and this is how I'm going to live my life with some direction on that path. So it was a process and, and it took literally 10 years to to, to go through it and to, you know, finally be at a place where I was confident that, okay, I understand better now. And I think I know better how to become a better person. Um, you know, when I look back on the time before that, all I 
could see was the damage that I had caused and the harm that I had caused to people that I supposedly cared about and loved and trying to get out of that mental place was at times very difficult. You know, we, we have a tendency when we fail and realize our own responsibility for that failure, a lot of times we spend the next inordinate amount of time beating ourselves up about it. And that can become a real vicious cycle um, that's difficult to get out of. And then of course, you've got all these external factors of trying to survive, um, you know, the pressures of those kind of things on the outside making mayhem with your mental inside. So it, it's a it's a struggle for everyone. I mean, that's what life is about. It's about learning the lessons of life to become a better person. But to do that, we have to sort of break away from our old selves and the things that keep us tied to you know, the past behaviors that we really don't like about ourselves. So it, it, it's always a process and, and there's always temptation and trials and tribulation trying to pull us away from, from our goals of becoming better people. But that's, for me, that's why spiritual grounding is so important. It gives one an alternative to the pressures and the temptations of the world. Were you married at this point? Are you still married? What's your situation? I'm, I'm currently married. At, at that time I was married. Um, I have a couple of boys and they're grown men now, but yeah, I was married in my, in my career path days and that cost me my marriage. Um, you know, it was all about me. And the consequence of all about me is it ends up being all about you and, and, you know, what that looks like. And so it cost me my family. It cost me everything that I had worked for up to that point. And, you know, I, I got back on the horse and tried to, to make a change. And even in that 10 years, <clears throat> I was married again and my second wife uh, passed away from cancer um and in that time you know I was rebuilding but I was in this struggle zone between the world's way and what else or what other way and when she died um it kind of threw me for a loop for a number of years so you know it was <clears throat> the typical marriage divorce and then the typical second marriage rebound and then the typical okay what now isolation and being alone and I was you know alone for many many years and but that was good I needed that in my life you know I needed that release to work on myself and I am currently married now and have been for uh, 22 years and best thing I ever did so yeah I was going to ask uh, I was going to ask you know I've got I've got got a partner now who you know is um without her there's no telling where I'd be okay yeah I was I was going to ask if you were married you know through that 10-year period and, and how that affected your relationship but it sounds like the first one had already sort of gone by then. And then obviously the second one was within that time. Um, right. And then you've had time on your own to, like you say, precious time on your own. I, I, I was the same. I was single for seven years after I, I got divorced. And it was best, best time, one of the best times I've ever had, you know, and just being comfortable in your own skin and not needing anyone is a really strong place to be. Um, and to step into your own skin and know who you truly are, you know, everybody should have the option to do that, but so many people choose to avoid it, don't they? So it's a, it's a strong and brave thing to do. So um, yeah, good for you. So how did you meet wife number three then? 
uh, we actually met online. Oh. You know, um, yeah, I, I was, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't intending to get involved again. I wasn't intending to get married. Um, I didn't mind being alone. <clears throat> and so, and I was busy, you know, on this path of discovery and, and self-application. So relationships weren't a big priority. And at the time I was living in Hawaii and it's very difficult to live, you know, in isolated areas with small populations. Um, you just don't meet a lot of people. So it wasn't high priority and I wasn't in an area that made it essential to, to getting by. So we met online and she, uh, she said, well, I'm coming on vacation, so we'll, we'll meet and see how it goes. And so she did. She came to Hawaii and we met. And um, it was an instant connection. We were both on the same spiritual path, and that became really important to our success. But we met, and, and she ended up moving to Hawaii. We got married, and we've been together literally 24-7 for the last 21 years and um, she works from home and, and obviously I work from home. So we spend a lot of time together and it works for us. Well, that's awesome. Awesome. So, so you're also a poet, are you not? I am a poet, yeah. So had, has that always been there or has that been as a result of the journey that you've been on? It's not always, it's interesting, you know, I've written 22 books and had you told me in the first part of my life or even up, I didn't write my first book until I was 50. So it was never something that I was drawn to. And it was, I would have never thought of myself as, you know, being able to express in words what I was thinking or what I was feeling. And like I say, my first book is a nonfiction book, and it's about spiritual grounding and choosing a spiritual path. And one day I was sitting, we lived in Hawaii, and we lived on very most eastern point of the island of Maui. And I could sit out there at the gazebo and look across the water and see the big island of Hawaii. And I was thinking, I was watching the water, and I was thinking, how frightening it would be to be lost at sea and the kinds of things that would go through your mind, you know, if you were floating in the middle of the ocean with virtually no hope left, you know, where would your mind go? And from that experiential thought process came my first poem and it's about being lost at sea. And somehow or for some reason, from that moment on, everything I started to write became short stories and poetic prose. And so 18 books later, I've got a whole catalog of fictional stories um, with male protagonists, female protagonists, every kind of adult situation that we can get ourselves in become the plots for the stories. And so, <clears throat> My poetry is is easy to read. It's concise and real brief, but there's always an underlying theme. And what I'm trying to do is help the reader understand and realize that whatever they're experiencing in a particular situation, one, they're not the only one who's been there. And two, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. So it's a process of you know, that journey of discovery for the reader that um, I can get through this, I can overcome this. And so that's the theme and the primary goal of the poetry. It just came out, you know, as, as poetic prose. So it's basically poetry, short stories, talking about life and situations and emotions that all adults feel either firsthand or, you know, through a family member or a co-worker 
we all sort of go through the same lessons of life. They just manifest at different times and in different events or people interactions. And um, so that's what I'm writing about is, is what we experience and what the consequences of those experiences may be. Sounds cool. Where, can people sort of get them from places like Amazon and that? Sure. Yeah. And Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all the normal booksellers, um, they come in both paperback and eBooks. So they're downloadable, but yeah. Um, I just dis distribution is through all the normal book channels as well as from my website. And is your author name Branch Isolay? Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. So how did that name come about? <laughs> well, well, on this path, you know, when I when I changed paths and it, it was early on in the struggle era, but um, I knew that I I wanted to change my name. I, I since since a childhood, you know, I never liked my real name, my given name, and I didn't know you could actually do anything about it. But when I got on this path, I thought, okay, now here's the, I'm changing my life. I'm moving to Hawaii and I'm changing my location. I'm going where no one knows who I am. So this is a time to make the big break and really, you know, become a new person, be, become my first reinvention of who I truly wish to be. And so I, I thought, okay, well, I, I know, I know, I know my last name needs to be I-S-O-L-E, which for me at that time meant I serve only Lord Emmanuel. Little did I know that it was an actual word in French. It means alone or solo. And in Italian, it means an isle, a single island. <clears throat> but I changed it because I want it to be, I serve only Lord Emmanuel as my commitment to this new path. I thought, okay, well, I like the name Joshua, so I'll, I'll change it to Joshua, but nothing ever happened with that. And so for two years, I knew I wanted it to be Isole um, or Isol, and I couldn't get my head around Joshua, so nothing happened. And when I ended up living in Hawaii, um, in the Hawaiian language, the vowels are a little bit different. And so <clears throat> I decided, okay, well, it's going to be I-S-O-L-E, but in Hawaiian, that's pronounced Isole. So one day I was doing a Bible study um, with a couple, and I opened the, the Bible and I looked down and I was at Zechariah 3, 8. And that verse says, I will raise up Joshua, my branch. And the Lord said to me right then, okay, this is your new name. So then I knew. And, and so I changed my name to Branchy Soleil. And if you know anything about the Bible or, or, you know, Old Testament scripture, you know that when the Lord calls you and gives you a new name, if you accept that name, then you are committed as a servant from that moment on. And so that's how the name came about. And uh, it's, <laughs> it's funny that, you know, people who knew me by my old name and my old life stumble in trying to make that transition. And they always kind of give, make fun of me about it. I say, well, when you got married, did you take your husband's name or did you keep your maiden name so you know but that's how the name change came about and it, it's been that way um, for over 20 years now and it, that's that's who I am and that's why I do what I do it's funny isn't it I, a friend of mine changed his name um from Richard to Leon because it just was in his soul if you like uh, and it, he resisted that for ages because of the backlash you're going to get from people that know you. Um, and I, I mean, I haven't changed my name, but my mum wanted to christen me Melody. Um, and my, my dad said, don't be ridiculous. 
and that's how <laughs> that's how it ended up as Melanie and I'm actually a singer and so I really relate to I Melanie saw that. Yeah. and um, yeah I saw that so I I would I've especially in the last year or so I've thought I'm Melody I'm not Melanie I'm Melody but you know I'd still be Mel either way right so um so yeah I have thought about it myself but probably haven't had the courage to do anything about it so um I just wondered I just wondered how yours had come about so in in terms of um so what you know obviously if you sort of went on this 10-year journey um and you left the corporate world in terms of a living, I know you moved to Hawaii and everything, but did you, and you became a poet and an author, but did you have a, any other work that you did to sustain yourself? Or has it just been sort of more simple living or, or how did that happen? Well, it became simple living, that's for sure. Um, I basically did pickup work. You know, I did whatever I, whatever I could do um, in order not to go back into the corporate world. Um, mm -hmm. I was a ski instructor for, you know, a couple of years. Um, I had a friend who owned a business and I went to work for him, uh, delivering products and goods for him. Uh, I was a carpenter uh, for a number of years. That's what I did when I was in Hawaii. I, I became a carpenter and, and that was sort of my mainstay employment and, you know, the way I lived. And uh, I just did a lot of pickup work. I used to, um, when in Hawaii, there's a lot of obviously hotels and, and condominium projects. And I had two different condominium projects. When the resident manager would go on vacation, you know, I would go and fill in and, and take over their duties at the properties until they came back. So I just did a lot of pickup work. Um, and tried to survive in order not to have to, you know, go back to the cubicle and the nine to five and the hustle and, and, you know, living and, and being employed with somebody else's direction. Uh, you know, I just, uh, this nomadic lifestyle was kind of in my blood from growing up in the military. You know, I lived in a lot of different places and was able to travel to a lot of different countries um, because of my father's station assignment. So that, you know, not being in the regular kind of situation employment-wise or living-wise, um, you know, wasn't a problem for me. You know, when I first got to Hawaii, I was homeless for a while. I lived out of my truck and just did whatever I had to do <clears throat> to get by. And in Hawaii, Everybody does several things to get by. It's just so expensive to live there. And, you know, nothing pays because it's such a single uh, tourist-based economy. So you just do what you have to do and what you can do. And, and I learned a lot of different sort of menial, uh, and I don't mean in drug term, but menial trades that I hadn't known before. And, and that's what I did. I just... Um, you know, and it helped me on that on that period because it didn't require me to be invested a lot. I just had to show up, do my job, you know, um, not a whole lot of responsibility other than that, what the job entailed. But it wasn't like being a corporate manager, you know, with people that you had to direct and be responsible for. So for me, it worked well, both the living situation because I didn't have a lot of possessions and I didn't need a lot of possessions. Um, you know, I didn't have a lot of responsibility and I had a lot of freedom uh, to enjoy my leisure time. Um, I don't know if you can see the surfboard behind me on the wall. Part oh of yeah, yeah. But you know, I, I was a surfer. And so, you know, I made the most of the time and the environment and the, the opportunities that were there. The greatest thing about living in Hawaii is um, if you're a local there or you live there regular, you know, having a lot of stuff is not part of the lifestyle. Um, there's no keeping up with the Joneses, you know, there. Everybody drives a beat up car and everybody has two or three jobs and everybody gets to go to the beach. So cool. it, it's a whole different, different arena. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So in terms of um, 
you know, where you're at now and, and obviously the reason for doing the podcasts and the reason for doing the radio shows, what's, what's driving this? What is it that you, what's the message that you want people to get from what you're saying? The message that I'm trying to share is if you do not have a spiritual relationship and you are not spiritually grounded, then you're in the grasp of the world. And, and the world's ways are not to help you be a better person. The world's ways, as we previously touched on, is to keep you enslaved economically and to keep you controlled emotionally and psychologically. I mean, that's the truth of the situation. The people in power with the power and the money are not about to give it up or share it. And the whole premise of the world is to drive you away from the world to something different and something better, to help you understand that, you know, you don't need all the stuff and you don't need to be totally controlled and directed and surveilled at all times in order to be able to think for yourself. Um, there's a real dichotomy taking place, you know, between the world's way and a spiritual or non-world way. And that's the struggle of life. I mean, you know, all of us innately believe deep in ourselves that there's something more or something better than what we are experiencing here. Even the wealthiest people have issues and problems. And whatever those issues and problems are, are the void in their heart. And we are all trying to fill that void. You know, we try to fill it with love. We try to fill it with approval. And we try to fill it with how can I function, you know, in this life, in this world. And if all you have is belief in the world, then that's where you're at. You're in the grasp of the world. And believe me, it's not your friend. It's not going to help you discover who you are and be a better person. That's not its purpose. Its purpose is to keep you enslaved and keep you from experiencing spiritual grounding and spiritual strength. So my efforts now on the podcast and even in my writing is to <clears throat> help people discover what that spiritual grounding is, how to get it, and then what you do with it when you've got it. Because the benefit of having it is, again, you see the world for what it is. And, you know, if you choose at that point to be part of the world, okay, you can have both. You can be part of the world and be spiritually grounded. In fact, that's what you should be striving to do because that's where your balance will come. But having that spiritual grounding will allow you to see the world in its truth and its reality. And then you can decide, do I want to be you know, part of that 100% or do I want to have something stronger that makes me a better person so I can be you know, a better man or woman in my relationship, in my family, in my community. I mean, we can't completely devoid ourselves of the physical reality we live in. But spiritual strength gives you a balance and a perception where you then have more choice. And the importance of choice can't be overstated because every choice has a consequence. And when, when someone does not have spiritual grounding, they automatically tend to choose what's in their own best interest or what they believe is their best interest. And the consequences of the world's way and the world's path are not always you know, to your benefit. In fact, they're designed to not be to your benefit in order that it keeps you entrapped and enslaved. The spiritual ground gives you that strength to know the difference. In fact, 
believe it or not, the greatest thing about being spiritually grounded and having spiritual strength is you can know your future. And people always, you know, look at me like I have a third eye when I say that. But here's the reality. If the spirit of Christ or the spirit of God living through Christ lives within you, and it's already there, all you have to do is activate it. And we can talk about that in a second if you want. But once you've got it activated, the spirit of Christ is now living and abiding with you. And every time you're in a situation where you have to make a choice or decision, if you ask, what would Jesus do in this situation? Because your spirit now lives with his, his spirit, the Holy Spirit will answer you. And what it will do, it will show you all the negative consequences of choosing that decision that you want so badly for you. You know, what, what do I want out of the situation? My human instinct is I want what's in it for me. Now, does that have a good choice, a good consequence? Maybe. I'm not sure. I won't know until I go through it. But I know it has negative consequences. So what are those? Well, when the spirit of God lives within me, then he shows me what those negative consequences are. I still have the choice to do what Jesus would do or to do what I want to do. The choice is still mine. But he has shown me, if I go down the world's path, these are the potential negative consequences. If I get drunk and drive drunk, the negative consequences can be really costly. So do I want to make that choice? By understanding those negative consequences, then I know what the potential danger is. The interesting thing is God never shows us what the positive consequences are. And he doesn't need to because our obedience and faith in him will eventually come to pass. You know, when we choose to be obedient and follow the world's way, we are obedient to the world. When we choose to follow God's way through Christ's spirit living within us, God smiles and he says, God is like a loving parent. You know, he wants to reward our obedience in doing the right thing. And like a loving parent, if we are not obedient, then, you know, we may have to suffer the consequences of that. So it's, it's a choice. And all I can tell people is if you choose to activate your spirit within you with Christ's spirit, then he will be part of you. And his spirit, when you need it, will respond and show you the way forward. Okay, that's um, beautiful. Um, so if people wanted to know more about you and, and I know you said you're in all the major book resellers, um, but is there an easy place for them to go to to find out more about you? Sure, thanks, Mel. Um, I always increase, I've got a YouTube channel um, and we've got over 500 posts on that channel, and it's all free. There's stories there. There's articles there. Um, you can get a good feel or a good taste for my writing and my beliefs off of the YouTube channel. You can go to my website, obviously. You know, all of my books are there. There's some writings there as well. But the easiest place and the most prolific place I've got is the YouTube channel and it gives people a real opportunity to learn more about me and, and who I am and what I'm trying to do. And it's real easy to go. You either identify with it or you don't. And I appreciate everybody you know, going there once uh, just to get a taste. So that, was, that would be my invitation, the website or the YouTube channel. And, and if you like what you find, um, you know, there's more. And what's your website, Branch? Branchysolet.com. Okay. Well, I mean, I'll put it in the show notes, but just for anyone listening, you know. Um, yeah. Okay. And obviously from there, you've got your YouTube links as well, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, YouTube is the same thing. It's just my name on YouTube. Okay. Um, yeah. Brilliant. Um, 
So I always like to close down these chats with anything that you feel called to share, anything at all. What I always like to share is for listeners to continue listening. Listen to Mel's show. Listen to other podcast hosts that you find are talking about things that interest you. Um, we, the one great thing about technology is it's a, a medium that you can use to grow and you can find virtually anything. But the world of podcasting gives you an opportunity to um, you know, find hosts who are talking about subjects that you're interested in and you want to know more about, and it's all free. You know, you, you can go anywhere and, and learn about anything. And my only other thing is, if you're not spiritually grounded and you're struggling in your life, or you, you know, have a void in your heart, then, you know, find a spiritual grounding um, and pursue it. It will fill your heart and then fill your life. Mm. yeah perfect um i definitely concur with that um well thank you so much brunch uh, it's been a real pleasure to meet you in your log cabin by the looks of it with your surfboard <laughs> <laughs> and the rooster or cockerel whatever he is she is whatever yeah um, and um yeah it's been a real pleasure to meet you and i'm um so glad that you found the right path for you and you've had 22 wonderful years by the sounds of it so um thank you so much thank you mel it's been a real honor to be with you if you enjoyed that conversation or were inspired in any way please please leave me a review on itunes it's the best way for other people to find my podcast and be inspired themselves Well, I really hope you enjoyed today's episode and perhaps the story resonated with your own life or reminded you that perhaps you're also settling for second best. I've been helping people from a young age and realizing that there is more to life than what they are currently settling for. My desire is to give others the love to confidently and respectfully know their value so that they feel joy and are empowered to make a fulfilling difference. If that sounds good to you and you'd like to reach out and connect, you can find me at facebook.com forward slash Mel Clark coaching that's Clark with an E or instagram.com forward slash Mel Clark coaching enjoy your day